If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. And now, Obscure Obsessions. I did tell you that I had watched Caddyshack 2. Yes. Or I texted you my reaction. I forget. Had you seen that one previously? I or never no? saw Caddyshack 2. Because I'm not a huge fan of Caddyshack 1. Yeah, it doesn't do it for Some me. of it's fun. I like the Rodney stuff. But if you took Caddyshack 1 and you removed anything remotely, remotely funny? funny about it, you would have Caddyshack 2. But I'd always read this was one of the worst sequels. I remember even having an old Entertainment Weekly where it was like ranked number five. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the whole thing about the worst sequels. It was bad, but it wasn't nearly You've as... You've seen worse sequels. Oh, much worse. Much but I worse. mean, considering that you're, you don't have much of an interest in the first one... Yeah, so maybe that's why I was like, eh, I don't really... Like, if, if you were a diehard fan of the first movie, could you see this being that type of slap in the yeah. face that most people call it? Because you can tell that they really just did it for the cash. And you can tell that... How far in between movies is it? Oh, this is eight years later? Oh, so it's not really that recent. When, when was Caddyshack 1? I want to say like 1982 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, we, we unfortunately have no... Uh, the research department posted something. Also, another person who was annoying me today. <laughs> with, with, although Megan did send me a picture. She sent me it to me yesterday. And she put a picture of, of Jim Varney's hands. Oh, she sent me that too. Did she give you a production note? Yeah. She gave me a production. What was the production note she gave you? Well, I saw... Caddyshack 1 was in 1980. Caddyshack 2 was 1988. So eight years later. All she said was, look whose handprints I found. Oh, wait. Let me find out what she said to me. Did she want you to retroactively... Apparently, because she's the breakout star, (laughs) she now is under the impression that she can... She's pulling a Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. Oh, she sent me a picture of... I found... Actually, I have to say, it was funny. She sent me a picture of... I found Jim Varney's handprints. Then she did the um, this gif of like ah. of him finding the magic bag and she goes maybe you and nick could use the handprints for when the jim varney episode premieres well we'll see <laughs> if we take that into consideration okay maybe by the way fine but this is the worst picture yeah, it's a terrible photo <laughs> i had to really like look at it and be like what am i looking i was, at? I was gonna text her back and say stand over the picture and take a picture of it <laughs> it looks like you're out of you know those those security you know those if you go to the parking lot at MGM or those places, and there's the, the that bucket. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. they put the security guards in so they can watch. Right. She's got a sort of off to the side bird's eye view of it. <laughs> but what was annoying about Caddyshack too? Because this is important. You could see that there, Dan Aykroyd is essentially playing the Bill Murray part, kind of. Okay. Chevy Chase is Chevy Chase. He's he's the only one who came back, and he looks it. This is before he he sold his soul and did Snow Day. Right. Which I also ended up watching. Jackie Mason, who was a comedian, most famous mm-hmm. for being a comedian, like Rodney Dangerfield, nowhere near as funny as Rodney, right. plays the Rodney part. There's a person who's the, the, the Michael Keefe part. Who am I missing? Oh, I, t- I think I, I texted this to you, that Randy Quaid is in it, oh, right, right, and right. he is doing an impression of Sam Kinison. Because the part was written for Sam Kinison, and when Rodney dropped out, gotcha. Sam Kinison, but but you have to imagine Cousin Eddie doing a impression of Sam Kinison. Like he's, oh, oh. he's screaming the entire part. <laughs> so it wasn't particularly very good. Although yeah. the one person who was in it that was kind of exciting was, I believe her name is Jessica 
Lundy, I believe the her name, name is familiar. Well, you know this because you know we're in a movie, okay? We're a person. <laughs> Wait, let me make sure I got her name right. Yeah, Jessica Lundy. You know her from a movie where the main character gets sucked into a toilet as they're flying to Mars. Oh. <laughs> She's the love interest in, uh, what's that movie? Rocket Man. Right. The <laughs> Remember he gets... <laughs> And then Sweet he, swirl and onion rings. And then he's blue. And then I, yeah, then my Chevy Chase marathon morphed into a John Candy. No, it morphed into a Sylvester Stallone Rocky. Oh, okay. Because that was on my mind. And then that morphed into John Candy marathon, which I then stopped because I was in the mood to watch Temple of Doom. Right. Because it's surprisingly very topical right now, strangely yeah. enough, with Mr. Uh, how do you say his name? Do you know how you say that that kid's name? I mean, he's not a kid anymore. He well, he was short round. He's, oh, Ki uh, Ki Hu Kwan. He is, or is it Kui? I think it's Ki Hu Kwan. Q? Like Hu Kwan. Ki H Y U. I think Hu. Yeah. Whatever. Whoever. Whatever. But it Golden is. Globe Award winning actor. Golden Globe. And in fact, I think I texted you, or you texted me that night. And Critics Choice, right? And Critics Choice. He just won something else. Uh, I don't want to jinx anything because with our luck, we'll we'll ruin it. We'll derail his career. <laughs> He'll be the next Charles Grodin. Oh, God. <laughs> but, he, yeah, he's, like, on a major, major role. Which is great because, I mean, while I wasn't maybe the hugest fan of that Everything Everywhere movie, yeah. everything I everywhere, fantastic. Everything Everywhere All at Once. You did it. And I finally... You finally got it. I, I was almost going to say Ki-Hu Kwan, star of Every Which Way But Loose. And that wouldn't be true. No, but they should do a remake. Oh, okay. Where he plays the Clint Eastwood Clint part. part. Speaking of which, I just saw, this has nothing to do with either actors, but I just saw that, you know they're doing a remake of The Naked Gun? Oh, I didn't know that. And you that. know who the person they got to play the Leslie Nielsen part is? Who? Oh. Liam Neeson. Which oh. I actually think going in a completely different direction. That's actually kind of funny. Right, because you're going, it would be too obvious to pick Whoever is a, a yeah, there is really no equivalent. I mean, like no, but with, like if you put Melissa McCarthy right as or Josh Gad or someone like who's already a comedian, but going in the complete opposite, Oppo the polar opposite from okay. Leslie Nielsen. I can I can maybe get behind has, that. Has Liam Neeson done any comedies that are supposed uh, to be comedies? That's a great question. I can't I think don't so. really know. I don't think so. But Kihu Kwan. Uh, should I mean, be. I, I gotta say, I'm loving the praise that he is yeah. getting. Yeah, well, and he was very good in that. I mean, I don't really remember that movie too well. But I remember there thinking... It was Sausage Fingers or something. Uh, hot Dog Fingers. Hot yeah. Dog Fingers. But I remember thinking that he was maybe my favorite part Me of the too. movie. Me too. Any part about it I remember. I thought Michelle Yeoh was good. Yeah, she was great. And I thought Ki-Hu Kwan was... A, Ki yeah, Kui he was Kwan. pretty great. And, you know... Also, since we're talking about this in anticipation of Dial of Destiny. Which comes out when? A week after a week, this week comes after out? today, yeah. Right, after today. Right. You know, it's not, we're, not, we're not recording in January. No, we're not. Megan? Because it's coming out. Pumpkin pie. <laughs> so sixes and sevens. Because <laughs> it comes out, uh, yeah, June. I think it's the 30th. Yeah, Dial of Destiny. But, you know, it's odd to think about the Indiana Jones movies, at least at this point in time, because there was a very clear trilogy mm -hmm. that was capped off with Last Crusade. Yes. 1989, I think. I think that sounds right. Yeah. And then the first one we were able to see in theaters being Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Which we saw, do you remember where? It was at Vero Beach. I and I remember Indian River Mall. 
I remember the AC not being on in that, and I remember coming out with bloodshot eyes. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. I do remember they had a very – that was a mall. This is for Mall the Podcast, but that mall <laughs> was one of the last ones to still have a store where you could buy an organ. Not like a kidney. Right. But like those – A piano. Yeah, one of those piano organs. I just remember walking – that was a, a one-story mall. Okay. I, which I guess most things in Florida are one story. Yeah. There's a lot of hurricanes. I remember two things about that mall. One that we saw King of the Crystal Skull there and that they used to sell musical organs. <laughs> not like a not like a singing kid. A, a forte. Yeah, a forte. Oh my I have to send you later. There's a guy on Instagram uh-huh. who does like what's that called where you dress up? Oh, um uh, Oh, uh, uh, I know cos- what you're uh, cosplay. He did this cre- tremendous costume of himself as Forte. No. In I have to see if I can find it. But yeah, it went from being obviously three movies, a, a very succinct trilogy, and then stylistically over, a, over a good appropriate period of time. Yeah, well, it wasn't even like Godfather, which was two like the seventies and all of a sudden nineties or right. Or, well, Star Wars is it is it one a good example of a complete trilogy? What's that one? Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it goes from three to a fourth movie. Now, when I, now I told you this, I don't remember if we mentioned this in our Thanksgiving episode, but during some very poor weather right. a few months ago, I did re-watch, I think I watched all of them except for, what did I watch on the plane? Uh, Raiders. Raiders. No, no, no Crusade. Uh, Crusade. I watched Raiders. You watched Raiders. And when I rewatched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull... You said you had a better reaction to it. Yes, in the sense that I liked it more than I... Because, okay, you cannot hide the fact that there's a scene where... Shia LaBeouf uh, swings, swings through the jungle with monkeys. You cannot hide that. You also can't hide the fact that Indy survives a nuclear blast by hiding in a refrigerator. Right. Which bugs people more than it bugs me. I'm more bugged by that whole just that they go and it's like this weird supposed to be juxtaposition of, oh, we're in like a, a suburban town. It's the bottom right. town. And that part I dislike more. You can't hide the fact that there's some really terrible CGI. And I think on. most glaringly... And we'll have to see with the new one coming out, too. But you can't deny that it's X number of years since the last movie. And Indy isn't moving as gracefully as before. Well, it's sort of like when you watch the older Three Stooges ones with curl with that son of a bitch, Curly <laughs> Joe Dorita. And they're, the, they're these three old men and they're slapping each other. And the, your reaction is different to it when they're young. You think, oh, God, they're going to hurt themselves. They're old. Right. The same thing happened with Lucille Ball. When Lucille Ball was older doing the stuff that she did when she was younger, you think, oh, God, she's going to fall off that ladder and hurt herself. Mm-hmm. So when you watch an old man do stunts, it's worrisome. I'm hoping that they they kind of address his age in Kingdom a little bit. Uh-huh. But now, they, you, I mean, how many years later? 2008? So, to like, 20. Three? Is that like 15? Was that 45? I don't know. I might have. I might have you, you might have borrowed a few numbers. I borrowed. But that aside, it's still Harrison Ford. Yeah. It's fun to see Marion Ravenwood back. People get very annoyed about the whole alien thing. Yeah. It doesn't bother me quite as much as it bothers other look, people. Truthfully, this is a series, too, that was never shying away from fantastical elements yeah. or even elements that feel like this is a step out of reality. I guess because they think, I guess it's supposed, 
I mean, look, science the, fiction. But, but the first movie is about them trying to find the lost Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, it's about Hitler having magic powers or, I mean, or wanting magic powers. I don't know. It's still the one that I watch the, the least, without yeah. a doubt. And I don't even think I have it. I'm the only sure reason I have, I have it is because I have it in the pack of the first four movies. Oh, you do? Because I have it separate. I have a, oh, okay. I have a, I have a couple Indiana, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, and probably Jaws are the ones that I have like multiple, multiple versions. as they got. By the way, I just read that they're releasing the rumors they're going to release Jaws two on a four K. Okay. Which I don't know what that quite what that means. If they're not going to add any special features, yeah, because I'm not. They interested. already did a Blu-ray. Yeah. So I don't know why they were so excited on I Instagram. Don't know. But the one as a kid that I watched the least before we mm-hmm. won't even we'll put. Kingdom right now we're just focused yeah. on these three. Was Temple of Doom. See, you know what's funny is I would say Crusade was the one I watched the most. Yeah. And Temple of Doom was probably the one I watched second most. Really? You, you mentioned that to me on the plane. And I forget exactly why that is. But, you know, and I was thinking about it on this last rewatch. Yeah. I remember the face melting part of Raiders scaring me out so much. Yeah. And I might have seen that as more grotesque mm-hmm. than the ritual scene. Because okay. even though the ritual scene is intense and very creepy, yeah. there's a stylistic, yes, you see his uh, his fingers go into the guy's chest. And then a burning heart. But, I don't know, the face melting is really bloody and then their eyeballs melt too. And maybe also because you... S- because when I watch it this time, yeah, you see Mola Ram's hand go in the guy's chest. Right. But you don't actually see him extract no, the heart. No, it cuts away. But as you say, your reason for not ra- watching Raiders was why I didn't watch Temple. Because that one scared me the most in a similar way to how I didn't watch Empire Strikes Back. That was the one I watched least because mm. that was also the darkest one. I mean, yeah. there's no excuse for not watching. Uh, uh, well, I think we need to give that up. That's not happening. <laughs> the, we, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But as an adult, if you watch it, the first Raiders now, but also it's, it's not nearly as scary. As the, I've gotten the, the older, effect. too, though, these three movies in particular, I forget the other trilogy I was thinking of, but Indy is definitely one of those series at least when we talk about the first three where my opinion or rather my ranking of them constantly is changing yes i agree like it's very hard some days raiders is my favorite some days temple of doom i don't know if that's my favorite but some days that one i love to watch the most sometimes they're kind of equal yeah i mean in in different i feel like the first three share they're, they're all made by the same director. They're all made with the same level of care in each of them. And the same, there's not too much time in between that exactly. they look differently. Because when I watch, I know exactly what you mean, because it's hard for me. My go-to answer is usually Last Crusade. That's typically what I say when I think of my favorite. But when I then watch them all, I think, oh, no, this is actually my favorite. And then I'll watch the next one and go, oh, no, 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 this is my favorite. I mean... Definitely of those three, the outlier is Temple of Doom. Yeah. And it was and a- right from the get-go, too, because the first sequence shows us that this actually takes place before the events of right, Raiders. And the reason for that was that Lucas and Spielberg didn't want to do Nazis again. So they thought, well, let's set it before, not only before the Nazis were at their, I guess, at their height power. of their power, but in a place where the Nazis... Wouldn't have even gone to, yeah. And the two writers of this movie, um, Gloria Katz and William Hick, also did Howard the Duck. And they did 
American Graffiti for oh, okay. and they also did Radio Lamb Murders, which is mm. another one which I didn't really like the last time. I only watched it once, but okay. it's one that another George Lucas produced one uh, that was like a radio show. But they apparently were like experts on Indian culture. Oh, and right. if you watch those three, the one that without a doubt will piss people off the most is Temple of Doom. Yeah, for a variety of reasons. A variety of reasons. I mean. One of the things I noticed this time when I was watching it is like Raiders and well, all of them, except for Temple of Doom, take place in different places. Mm-hmm. Like there's more globe trotting in every single one. That's true. Except in, for Temple, in Temple of, Doom. of Doom, they get stranded and they don't really. I guess leave. they're in Bangkok. They no. start off in um, Shanghai. That's why they call it. Uh, <laughs> what's the line? Oh, <laughs> right. That's why they call it Bangkok, sweetheart. <laughs> right. They start out in, yeah, Hong Kong. Actually, speaking of Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd is in Temple of Doom. Where? He's that British guy. Are you the famous singer, Willie Scott? Really? That is without a doubt. I didn't know that. That's Dan Aykroyd. He's that British guy who gives them the oh. plane tickets to get on Dr. Jones. That's fun. I had something to do with, I forget why. What the connection is between he owes someone uh, India favor. He, yeah, but why was Dan Aykroyd randomly in a small part? Oh, I don't know. So yeah, so there's a lot less globe trotting, and it's in, and in a strange way, it's almost the contained thriller of yeah. the Indiana. And Jones I was thinking film. about that too because as I was kind of keeping tabs on the time of where we were in the movie. What people think of with like the Temple of Doom portion happens almost exactly at the halfway yes, point. Yes, you're right. You're exactly right. Because in fact, I even stopped it when we got to the temple. We, me, got right. to the temple part because I had to pay. I thought, wow, it's almost exactly an hour in. Yeah, I think you're. I think it is an hour in. And from that point on, it's this is a movie may even be a better paced movie than any of the other ones. I might agree with you because. There's enough interesting moments that lead up to the temple right. where I wasn't bored any of that time leading up to the it. The only talking part that I can think of really is the part where Willie and Indy, where he's sort of explaining the stones to her and the right. elephant is like grabbing her. Or the part where he explains about where did uh, Short Round come from. Yeah. But after that, I guess I guess you have to c- count the scene where the, where the Indian guy is... Explaining, explaining but you know you're, you're early enough that it doesn't feel slow once they get on those elephants and they're at the dinner and all that it's it's non-stop definitely for the last hour of yeah the movie. it's weird because the last time so not this previous viewing but the time before that that i had watched temple of doom i didn't say that i hated it but i definitely felt like that was the weakest of okay. it this last time i was really invested yeah. And there were actually one or two jump scares that I had totally forgotten about. And you about. were on an airplane. I was on an airplane which, watching which it. Which says even more so. What were I the jump scares? Because there was definitely one or two. So the one me. that I can think of that I totally forgot about, it's after the heart ripping and Indy goes to try and collect the stones and he, he hears in the caves, the, the, yeah, the, 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 there's kids down there. The child slavery. And Willie and Short Round look over the edge and they're like, the guy jumps where'd up. he go? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot yeah. about that part. And I went, I visibly like went, oh. Were you sitting next to anybody? Yeah, but they were asleep. Oh, they were, they, apparently they were not big. They were not watching Temple of Doom. <laughs> but, you know, for all the what was things. The second, what was the second? 
I'm trying to remember if there was another one. That one for sure come was... To you. Of all the things. But of all the things that I enjoyed about Temple of Doom and still do, yeah. you know, I can't deny that there are still problems oh, with it. definitely. And, you know, I would say most people probably point out, at this point, the depiction of certain uh, races. Well, yeah. Okay. I read something interesting. Yes. No doubt about that. Uh. The most famous example of that we talked about in our um, Thanksgiving episode, the, the food. The thanks- and I can't uh, remember yeah. if I said this or not. And if I said it, well, whatever. you get to hear it twice. The guy who plays the evil sidekick, he who's like the uh, oh, his Chatar like, Lao, yeah. who's sort of like the, the front. He's like the business guy, and then he's down the temple. with. The- he's like the consigliere. Yeah, he's he's the uh, Tom Hagen. He's, he's the Robert Duvall. He's the Indian Robert Duvall. In some interview, he was talking about someone brought up the fact that in that scene where they're eating all that food, how sort of racist the idea is that these people are eating this crap. And he said that it was supposed to be that the Indian people knew that these racist Westerners were coming with these ideas of what Indian culture would be. I see. So rather than provide them with the actual food, they decided to almost mock them by making the most disgusting food possible. Yeah, that's not clear, though, not, in the movie. It's not clear at the least. But if that had been in there, I think some of the, particularly for that scene. See, I'm willing to accept that, though, as a retroactively yeah. engineered statement. But I don't think that was really the case when they were in I don't even think they shot it like that, that way. Maybe that was, like, the intent, but that doesn't come off at all. Right. I mean, you also have... And as very much as- few examples of good, positive Indian, I guess the people in the village are, but even they are like, you know. It's kind of by the numbers right. in terms of the way that <laughs> Americans would think of a. And in the documentary that came on one of the DVDs, the, the old man, mm-hmm. you know, he has that very slow speech. It wasn't it because that he didn't actually speak over- it? old country he didn't speak english and spielberg was literally like much like we used to do with megan (laughs) where i would read the dialogue to her to her and she would say it back that's what they did so that's why there's that interesting i don't know if it's interesting or not but it's that distinctive pause right so that i understand why people are turned the other thing is with raiders and last crusade the villains you can't possibly Fine. No one. I, no one sympathizes with them. And if you do sympathize with them, <laughs> we, we shame on you. Hey, shame. You, you know there are no better villains than the Nazis. Right. You know the only good thing they ever did was you have, have their faces at, melted right, off. Have their faces melted off, and you have them as the, the the ultimate villain because you can't sympathize with them. You can't be offended by the. Oh, that Nazi was too mean. Right. I guess if you say the Nazi was too nice, I guess, but. The villains in this, because they're supposed to be, and this was something that on this viewing, I maybe I knew, but I kind of forgot or I didn't really register, is that the villain's scheme in, in Temple of Doom is they're the evil thuggy cult. which is trying to rise back to power. Right, and to, to rise back to power, they need the five... Yeah, Sankara so they, they only have three of the stones. And this is the part that I missed. Uh, or I forgot in my last viewing was that the reason that they kidnap all those kids was to put them into the tunnels or the pit or the caves to dig for the two remaining stones. Right. That I missed the last time I watched. Well, I also was thinking about it too, is child slavery is pretty evil. 
But yeah, but it's not, from it's, it's, it's a, not nice from a business perspective. Yeah. If I want to get really technical, okay. Why would they want to b- kidnap kids to do this late? Like, wouldn't what? they want to kidnap like the strong, able-bodied, or kidnap everybody? Right. I mean, <laughs> you have a bigger force of people. <laughs> or you know what? How about not do it at all? Right. How about not? I have to say, of all the MacGuffins, the weakest MacGuffin is in Temple of Doom because mm-hmm. it's it's not quite clear exactly stones, what does it do at least in the village that we you know we come to when Indy and they, their plane crashes yeah. is that the stone is like their protector in terms of it being that kind of yeah. idol and I know when they're together the stones glow and I know they say when the stones are together the thuggy will rise and be all powerful well how does that manifest what does that look like and all we powerful. saw in terms of their power when they combined is that they light up on fire and they throw people to the death. Right. Right. I don't understand exactly. Was having those three stones what gave Mola Ram the power to dig into the guy's chest? Or was it just his own black magic? Well, is that the power of Kali? Right, and and so what does Kali have to do with the stone? If the stones are with Kali, does that give you, you the power? Yeah, see that. See, unclear. In Raiders, the Ark of the Covenant, they show a picture. Remember the two guys open. Oh, oh, right. Before this, they even go on the adventure, right, they open the, the, and they're like, "See this?" And you Bam. see a bunch of biblical characters being shot by lightning from the Ark. Okay, I get it. Why it's evil. Right. In uh, Holy Grail. Okay, you drink it. It's the fact that you, you live right. forever. Crystal Skull, it has like a hypnotic power. Okay, fine. I couldn't explain exactly what. So I think in that regard, yeah, it's, that's true. it's not quite as strong. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I noticed this time around, and this is going to be very strange, <laughs> a very okay. strange observation. We've just talked about racist portrayals, child slavery, dark magic, hearts being ripped out of chess. And human sacrifice. Of all the Indiana Jones movies, this one has the closest feel to a screwball romantic comedy. Oh, I see why than you say that. All the other ones. And I even read a few reviews of the time where this, this one reviewer said that it was actually quite funny. And parts of it, it the problem is with the character who is not very sure. funny. But the situations and scenarios are more classically screwball. I mean, the right. scene where they're in the. Well, there's two back to back. Right, there's where Indy is getting choked by the guy with and yes, Willie's out in the hallway. I could have been your greatest adventure. Which, oh my god, I could have been your greatest adventure. But then following that is the the scene, classic scene with the, the spike spikes coming. And of course, out of the- and then it gets funny because she's freaking out. I mean, in theory, it's funny because she's freaking out in Harrison Ford. We're going to die that was my favorite line (laughs) delivery we are going to die and then the way that they get out of that scene is she bends over and her ass hits the (laughs) the thing and it reverses even the scene before that where they're kind of um flirting with each other right oh so you're a scientist huh i bet you do research nocturnal activities (laughs) that in a different context Mm. would be from a screwball romantic comedy you have the two characters who are so different in a way that they're so different than Marion. Like in the first one, yeah, there is that kind of rat-a-tat-tat, but it's not between Marion and Indy. That's funny, but it's not the same kind of screwball, blatant. Right. And it's bizarre to think 
that the movie that of the four films that is trying to be the funniest is, is the, the one, one that has hearts being ripped out of people's <laughs> chests. And maybe that's, a good that's point. maybe that's a conscious decision of like, okay, we know this is dark. So and we'll I, go I was going to actually way. say. The opening this time, like yes. the Anything Goes sequence, again, I'm just a sucker for an old Golden Age musical, well, Yeah, but I feel like this time when I watched it, I felt there was more purpose behind why Anything, if you're going to do a dance number, why that song, uh-huh. but I feel like it's solely because we need to front load some happiness because the next hour and 55 minutes are not going to be particularly bright. And even going further, it's like, okay, we're going to trick you. Into thinking that it's, or it's even, because all those first three were homages to 19, I guess 1930s serials. Not Captain Crunch. No. You know, well, I was gonna the ask first you. movie has, you know, the most famous scene with the giant ball. Well, but- in fact, I was gonna, that's another good, great point, because just comparing the first two, the first one is he's in a jungle. The ball is chasing him. Dr. Octopus is <laughs> deceiving him and then gets killed. Doc Ock is being a real prick. <laughs> And then, oh God, what's the guy's name? Who's in the, tr- who's in the, uh, he has a whole restaurant devoted to him at Disney Springs now. Oh, Hangar Jack. Hangar Jack. Yeah. Whatever um, that guy is. Uh, uh, yeah. He's there. Start the playing junk. <laughs> Have a little backbone. And then in the next film, it's a musical number in a nice, in the, in the first one is dirty. In the second right. one, he's, so it's a nice contrast. But I was going to ask you, apart from West Side Story, was that the only other musical? I, I was thinking I that think too because th- before they had even showed production stills or anything from the West Side Story remake, I was like, the only musical thing I can kind of think that Spielberg had done is the opening three minutes of possibly. What's again. the other one that where, where it's a song though, where someone sings? Because because the out and out singing and um, dancing in Temple of Doom, but there's one other. Where it's a little girl singing, I can't think of what the song how the song goes. And it's a Spielberg directed. Oh yeah, let me see if I can find. I can't think of what. The I'm movie. drawing a blank. Okay, it was a movie that won our Thanksgiving. Oh oh. Okay. <laughs> how does that song go? Oh, I have no clue how the song actually goes. But that's a stretch if you're going to talk about that being. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of him having a song, sure, yeah. Because yeah, there's not true. many Spielberg movies that have songs. I in think them. he was an executive producer on the Color Purple stage adaptation. Okay, but, but I mean, in terms of real musicals, you're yeah. right. It's really only Temple of Doom and then a full movie. And a full movie, and then in the middle ground or on the other end, you have that one song. Right. But did you notice when Willie? <laughs> comes out of the thing. Uh-huh. She's blocking the title of the movie. I was going to say, I mean, I've known that for a while, but it's I, a I, weird choice to make. I don't know why they didn't put the in front of her. I'm thinking it's probably because I mean, Spielberg was like, this is my wife now. Well, she's, well, yeah, she was going to be his wife. Yeah. I don't think they were married at the time. No. no right. they, I think they met. Because Spielberg, this is his least favorite. He definitely said that before King of the Crystal Skull, that that was his least favorite. But yeah, I I happen to really like that. That I always end up getting really. It draws me in that opening yeah. song because it's not at all what you expect, and maybe that's what is successful about it because you're like, well, but this I is could not see someone having been a huge Raiders fan, yeah, and then here comes the Indiana Jones sequel. Well, they're a that's jerk. also technically a prequel, yeah, and then it's anything goes. They're a jerk. They should enjoy it. Because I, I agree. I, I think, I think so. I but think also, we can't go this Please. far into the episode without having talked about 
Willie Scott. Now, Willie Scott is a real annoying piece of work. Because I heard, and again, I don't know how true this is, but I heard that when George Lucas was coming up with a story, it was because he was going through a divorce. Well, that is and true. Willie's personification of... His wife? Yeah. I never heard that part. I know the part that both Spielberg and George Lucas were going through divorces or breakups. Mm. George Lucas was getting divorced from Marsha Lucas, and I think Spielberg was getting divorced from Amy Irving. Uh, who gotcha. is also famous for a movie called Crossing Delancey, which is a, a good New York movie. Okay. And you can, yeah, I mean, it, it probably influences why it is so dark at times. But Willie, I think, I, I, can't, I don't remember if it was going to be Willie or Short Round, but George Lucas's original idea for the sidekick, which I think sort of split then into Willie and Short Round, was for a virginal princess to be <laughs> to be oh boy which i would have loved to have seen uh, a young sharon stone or <laughs> or whoever <laughs> a young uh, oh god what's your name jessica harper oh would have been great <laughs> or you know as into her little black dress <laughs> and willie i mean i it's hard for me to even defend willie when when kate capshaw herself denigrates the character as and i think her. too that yeah, I can't actually, you know, defend Willie as a character. But when I was watching it again, I feel like perhaps the portrayal and the performance was inspired by over-the-top performances done in, like, Clark Gable movies or, like... Sort of like Oscar. Like, they're right, trying to, like, I mean, emulate a certain performance? Possibly. Could be. But, I mean, like, if this is also supposed to be a send-up to old 1930s serials and action movies of that period, yeah. those performances were often larger than life. And, typically speaking, it was a leading man yeah. and a damsel in distress. And Willie is almost the iconic damsel in distress and even more than damsel in distress she's it's um, a fish out of water is what they're really trying to go with her but she's also because you have there's she never really gets any sense of like actual agency yeah you know from the time that he's shooting out the window and he's like here hold this gun and she has the, the like, most is <laughs> when she bends over and she hit her ass See, I kind of at least accept that portion yeah. of it. It's the bouncing the gun out the window where it's like, oh, at the beginning. Yeah, do you yeah, mean yeah. to tell me you couldn't have just held on to the handle too? Like, and then she's like, and then I burnt my fingers and I cracked on hell. I was not even. I was about to say that. That sort of I think is the line that encapsulates her as a irritating. And from there, character. I think she gets just more and more aggravating. The one scene that I kind of like where she's irritating. Is when when she's going through the camp, when Indy and Short Round are playing the cards. Oh right, right, and right. And she's going from one, and she oh, finds the bat oh, in her ah. tower. <laughs> See, I wish she had done a Sam Kennison impression. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> oh, ah, there's a snake. Oh, ow. <laughs> no, she just would have been. You know, yeah, she she finds a snake. She finds a bat. She right. finds a bug. Whatever it is. If she had done different impressions of different people screaming. You know, if she had done... Okay, that would have been fun. Uh, ...done uh, Sylvester Stallone screaming, Adrian... Oh, no! Oh! <laughs> if she had done... Um, the I'm trying to think. Who else Mike would... Myers, when he goes, I can't... Uh, Turn on my voice! <laughs> <laughs> if she had done the love group... <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
30 years before the love guru came out she, oh. if they had done it that way then maybe i mean i will say i think that when she gets captured and she's about to be sacrificed yes. i think that's the most human is maybe the wrong word but i think that's the dimensional most, a little bit yeah that's the most grounded performance that she gives throughout the whole movie yeah because the rest of it really is a character and i'm trying to think exactly of a example in classic hollywood i'm sure there is but I'm blanking on like if they had gone maybe the route. Well, see, I was about to say if they'd gone the route of like Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy, but really Marion Ravenwood was a Catherine Hepburn type. Oh, and that she yeah. was strong. And really, Willie is really supposed to be the counterpoint and the exact opposite. Everything you loved and about liked Marianne about Marion is Ru- supposed to be down to the fact that Kate Capshaw had reddish hair and she had to dye it blonde because Marion Ravenwood mm-hmm. was so it's kind of like a I don't know if it's a catch 22 but you don't want to in fact it's kind of the problem that happens with a sequel is like you don't want it to be too similar too similar but then you make it the exact opposite right and it doesn't work maybe and this isn't even like this 21st century we are sensitive right this is just common sense she's annoying yeah and she's a, a very underwritten character and it was even in 1980 when was this, 84, was even at the time pointed out as being very thin. I mean, I feel like as a kid, I maybe liked some of Willie's performance moments. You know, the dinner scene is probably most classic where she passes out. I'm sure I found that funny as a kid. Or the bug scene. Yeah, I'm sure I found that funny as a kid, but then you grow a little bit of common sense and it becomes aggravating. Really Oh, God, this annoyed me when I heard this time. Where where they're on the... It's essentially the end of Act 1 where they get onto the elephants and Willie's like... Oh, and she's like, does anyone have a phone? Why would you think someone had a phone here? They they don't have shoes. (laughs) (laughs) You think they're going to have a phone? These people uh, are eating bug crap. <laughs> they're, they're eating the, the, the. That's because they put all their money in optimum phones. Yeah, so they're they're eating the innards of bats. <laughs> hey, do you think they have a phone booth? <laughs> do you think they have a cellular connection? <laughs> that was a line for me that was like, okay, we're gonna make not even just make her inept. We're gonna make her stupid because how the hell would they have a phone? And it's not like or she's, easy comedy. What weak comedy? Exactly. Yeah. It's not like she's ever changing in terms of throughout the scenes sometimes she's smart sometimes she's done she stays a constant level of pretty airheaded yeah there's no growth and there's no skill like right if she had some kind of skill that like if she did something if she was so afraid of bugs and she learned to be yeah a little bit more outgoing or, or that there was something that you could say okay but she's good at this she's not good at anything or in uh raiders Marion uses her sexual uh, allure. allure in that great scene where she gets Belloc drunk. Oh, right, right, so right. So it's not her, it's her pretending to be a damsel in distress and, oh, I'm sexy. I need to right. have a drink. But really, she's confident in, remember, because she's in the tent, right? Right. It's established okay. earlier on that she can drink a lot and not get affected. Yeah. It's then smartly brought back in the scene with Belloc. Where he gives her the dress. So she's she has a skill. I mean, even that level, she has a skill she can drink. And not, you know, it's a small thing, but she has other skills. Willie's got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Willie, there's nothing Willie can do. And I mean, so I think true. that there's a bunch of 
specific scenes in which you can point to as this is clearly just being performed over the top because we want although i do like the line <laughs> where at the beginning where indy gives the guy nerhaji and then he goes god this nerhaji's a sm- small guy <laughs> that's kind of funny you know, Anthony does do, oh, God, the speech. Um, we would be canceled, though. Right. The speech at the oh, end. the Manju Dynasty? That part, but the part where, where Mola Ram, um, Shukti Day. Uh, oh, yeah. Which I kept, I, I mistake that for the line in one of the versions of Spaceship Earth. Remember when you're going up oh. and it's, it's the caveman guy? Yeah. I can't remember how it goes. No, but that's definitely Mola Ram's. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, ready for another plot hole that I found this time? Okay. So after the three characters get kidnapped, Indy and Short Round and Willie, Indy and Short Round are thrown into a cage with a few of the other kids that are being uh, imprisoned. Oh, why are they speaking English? Well, there's that, but the one kid says, we're doomed or something, and Indy goes, why? And they go, we're going to be forced to drink the blood of Kali, Mm -hmm. which means that we'll be like one of these guys. Undead, yeah. So all the kids have, by that idea, means that they have drunk the blood of Kali. So in the end, once Indy's been broken free of drinking the blood of Kali, and he's been burned with a fire, shouldn't the kids still all be under the black sleep of Kali? Ah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I thought, does he say that the other kids drank it? Well, he says we'll be like one of them, a living nightmare. I thought maybe they were referring to one to the adult. Oh, okay. Guys. Well, then that's not yeah, clear I, because. Well, going off of that, you're right because I didn't realize until this viewing that the prince or the maharaja uh-huh. was under the black sleep of Kali. Because which short, is why he has the voodoo doll. Right, because short round says it when he burns the guy. And he's I, like, I, I lo- the black I, sleep of Kali. And I, I love that. Which I know, I've known that line. You guys say that I think a lot, right? right? <laughs> you and Anthony, but I don't think I placed exactly where in the movie. But I, he has my favorite scream take that Maharaj, Mar- where he goes ah, because I also think he was very clearly dubbed. Yeah, right? I would say so. But when Short Round burns him, and he has my favorite scream take in a movie where it doesn't quite match his mouth. <laughs> um, Short Round does say. You were under the black sleep right. of Kali. So like, so that, so maybe it's true. Like I said before, the the exact rules and machinations of how does this magic work and aren't clear. What I was also shocked by is that so Indy drinks or is forced to drink the the blood of Kali. Yeah. And that happens at let's say an hour and twenty five minutes. Yeah, in. I'd say that's about right. He's out of the black sleep of Kali by like an hour 35. So it's not that long. Right? So they get kidnapped and they get thrown in the jail. Then they they force him to drink the blood of Kali. But the next scene is when Willie's about to be sacrificed. Right. And she spits at him. And then short round breaks through and burns Indy to get him out of the trance. Yeah. But that all happens the scene after he's already drunk in the blood. So I had it in my mind that, oh, Indy's under this spell for a while. Yeah, it's not very long. Maybe the suits were like, you know what? You cannot make Harrison Ford <laughs> a killer and smack the hell out of this kid. My much. other thought of that, too, was that it must have been because so we already established how evil the thuggy are with the scene previous where, you know, the guy is burned alive. Right. They want. I think they probably just wanted to keep the momentum going. Yeah, yeah. But it, it felt odd to me that wow, that was that was easy. In your memory of it, it was longer. Or that 
it happened earlier in the movie so that there's a longer window of time in which short rounds trying to break out and free Indy from this the trance. Well, yeah, because right, because I do love that scene where the guy, which I don't quite understand the logic of it, even magically. You know, he's lowered in the pit, he's burned alive, and then his heart explodes into flames. Okay, I I, I guess I get it, but uh-huh. again, I'm not quite sure what they were doing with that guy. I think they just they said that human him? sacrifice is part of what kept the thuggy power alive. Okay, see, I'm again, trying to remember the dinner scene that it was like. Yeah, I know they mentioned something about with black magic, but also with human sacrifice. Right. They keep them. See, again, the the power of the thuggy is still too intangible for me to really understand what. Okay, here's an easy example. In uh, Infinity War, when Thanos gets all the stones, magic runs through his body and he. But he also grows physically stronger. And you see it visually. Or in, um, in Batman and Robin. Okay. When, when Bane. Oh right, when they he becomes, they, they hit the button. Bane. What? Oh god, what is what does he say? Uh, maniacs, the bidding <laughs> begins now. <laughs> Whatever, Julian. Is it not Julian? Uh, John Glover. Right. Because Julian Glover is actually in. Um, he's he's the bad guy in uh, Last Crusade. He's oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Pamela. You have to die. I don't take rejection very well. I'm afraid you'll have to die. <laughs> Oh, and then he has that great line in Scrooge where he goes, I'll have the uh, California hot plate. Uh, no dairy on that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line in Scrooge where he orders the California hot plate. No dairy, no dairy on that. But you, you mentioned Short Round having a lot of agency. What's interesting about Temple of Doom that I didn't notice before is that, yes, it, even though it's... Well, yeah, this makes sense because it's set before Raiders. Mm-hmm. Indy in this one is more of a treasure hunter than he really is mm. in the other ones. Because there's this whole thing about fortune and glory, which is like a major right. theme. Not not a theme, but it's, it's a recurring line and a recurring idea. And yes, he goes to Pankot Palace because of the kids. Right. That's sort of what makes it nicer. You know what I mean? Well, he's going for the idea that he's going to try to if these kids are really there, then he wants to rescue them. Right. Not and, necessarily for any kind of prize. Right. But you do get the sense, though, that he's interested in fortune and glory. Right. In a way that's not ever present in those other ones. And the that's other ones, true. it's about stopping the Nazis. Well, both of them. Well, stopping the Nazis, saving his father. In this one, yeah, it's the kids. But there's this recurring theme. And once the stones, or at least we're told, have diamonds inside of them. Yeah. I guess you could maybe draw two and two that, okay, if they're not going to be, you know, and given in back that to scene the village. Where he gets the stones and he hears the kids, there is a sense of hesitation on his part of, do I go back and or do look I just... or do I just take the stones with me because I want these stones? So, a short round is sort of like almost like a moral compass at times mm-hmm. for Indy. And a short round also has that whole part where, okay, Willie is locked in about to be dumped into a pit of fire. Indy is under a black magic spell where he's going to murder her. Who is our protagonist now? Well, we have Short Round, who's there to... He's going to burn the Maharaja. Right. Oh, I do like that part where Indy goes, Short Round, stop fooling around with that, kid! <laughs> and Short Round is amazing because that's the kind of character in most movies that would be so irritating yeah. and so precocious... Because I'm the kid sidekick. Well, I feel like 
it goes to show too how much talent that he had yeah. as oh very much a performer so. because he's playing a similar character in Goonies. See, I never really watched Goonies growing up. Okay. So I watched it as an adult. I don't have the same affection for it. That was a movie more so than Temple of Doom. That or you were scared by. Really scared of. I was really scared of that movie. I get that. But I, as an adult, I do like it. But the other thing I kept feeling too was I know why we have a Willie Scott in this movie. And it's because we want some eye candy want for some, the teenage uh, boys. Smooshy, uh, smoochy smoochy. But truthfully, I would have watched the whole... I'm sorry to tell you this, Willie, but the eye train is up the stage. <laughs> She'll be on me like fecal flies on a flat-faced flugel horse. <laughs> you would have watched it without Willie. You, you didn't really I need think it. it would have been almost like a more fun buddy cop movie. And in a of... way, you're right. That, that's a good idea. Like, it could have been just... I guess having Willie... Okay, yeah. You need to have some kind of romance, apparently. Right. It would have been more effective to have had him have a romance with someone an indian woman at the palace or one of the maharaja's wives or sisters so it would have had some kind of menace to it yeah i guess what's willie's function is she causes problems she's a she's a she's an anchor she's a what's that called a ball and chain you gotta pull around but i do think it would have been much i would have loved to have just seen indian short round the whole movie and i think that those are the sequences that are the most remembered as well because well he has the, the lines any line that you think of from temple of doom come from short yeah range. i mean uh hold on to your potatoes dr jones uh, no time for love is probably the most right is that from do they reference that in something that we're into i feel like they I, do i know in dogma there's a scene where silent bob throws someone off the train and he goes no ticket. Oh, right. Which is, of course, that's from Last Crusade. Crusade, though. But yeah, he is very. He's he's he's. I was trying to think about this the other night. Is he my favorite sidekick in an Indiana Jones movie? Because I don't count. Uh, I don't count Willie or. Well, what about Sala? Well, that's the problem, and that's the tough part. Is you have so many great sidekicks. You have Sala. You have Marcus oh, Brody. Oh, Marcus, technically. It, really, in in Last Crusade, more so. No, Shia LaBeouf. Not, not really. doesn't doesn't make the cut. I don't know if he's my favorite or not. It's again like the movies themselves. It's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, that's kind of why it's so. But I think to a point you made previously of kids wanting to see kids in movies is when I was a kid, I feel like I at least did latch on to the idea of it would be amazing, you know, in air quotes, to be on this journey with Indy in short round shoes. We're in sync on that because I was thinking that too when I was watching it yesterday. I thought, you know, as a kid, I probably was thinking to myself, well, I can't be Indiana Jones because I'm a kid. I can't be Sala. I can't be any of these other people because I'm a kid. Uh But I could be Short short round because I'm a kid. And, you know, I can't drive like he does with his things on. But for crying out loud, there's a kid driving the car. <laughs> th- there is that weird scene, though, when I or the weird <laughs> bit where Indy's going to go to Willie's room. I was thinking about that, too. And he was like, tell me what happens. And I'm like, nice potty mouth, dirtbag. <laughs> You're a dirty dog. <laughs> Deanna Jones. <laughs> But he also is... And he's going to have a little quality time with (laughs) Willie Scott. (laughs) But I must say, there are so many times that Short Round 
understood the assignment in each scene as a character in the scene where uh indy is being uh, almost uh, asphyxiated yeah. by the guy with his whip he's like asleep and he lifts up his cap and he's like uh. but then he realizes what it is and th- i thought that was really funny although how did he not wake up sooner i don't know i, don't know. I wake up when someone sneezes down the street <laughs> But yeah, that short round is able to anticipate Indy in a way that I guess Solid does too. But he's sort of the perfect sidekick in that he's loyal. I mean, that's that's another great acting scene, actually. And it happens right after the other great emotional scene from Willie, where she's in, where she's all caged up, like right. like the gimp, where he says, "Indy, I love you." Uh-huh. And he burns Indy, but like he's acting in that scene, like he's, yeah. he's emotional and it's, and it's real. And that's also after he was pimp slapped by Indy. <laughs> yeah. So like after Short Round got backhanded by Indy, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think. Of, was there another character who I'm trying who I'm forgetting? But as I said, like this is so contained. Once they get to Pancot Palace, they're there. The whole movie. The whole movie until they go back to the village at the very end. Right. And you know. Watching them, even with all four, the best Indiana Jones woman is... Marion. Marion. And you almost feel in a weird way. I guess it's okay because Temple of Doom is before. Like, oh, I feel, like, I see I feel like you're cheating on Marion. How dare right. you? And, I mean, truthfully, I don't feel like Indy is really that interested in Willie no, Scott. No, I think it's because he's... Well, that's my point. I don't think the romance was that great to begin with. Yeah, it, he's just lonely. Yeah, <laughs> He's traveling. He's on. He's riding the rails. He's like the guy in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whose friend is killed and eaten in, in Alligator, Alligator 2, Two, the mutation. But the other thing that have you ever seen Gunga Din, the original movie Gunga Din? That's with um, Cary Grant. No, I never saw that one. That is, if you you have to watch that at some point because Temple of Doom is essentially a remake, almost at times shot for shot, a remake of Gunga Din. It's amazing how similar, because that also deals with the thuggy or the villains. Oh. It's the They go to a temple. It's very, very similar, and it's worth watching if you're interested in Temple of Doom. One last thing we must make mention of is how each Indiana Jones movie has the gross-out animal scene. Like, yeah. in the first one, it's the snakes. The third one, it's the rats. The fourth one, I guess, is the ants. The giant. Oh ant. yeah, because they eat that guy alive, yeah, right? Which is not. They eat the guy who's kind of like an, an Ivan Drago light. And this one, it's the bugs. And I would say the the dinner scene. And the dinner, but I mean the scene where they're actually in peril, oh, in, in yeah, peril yeah. with the bugs. That one has always been my least favorite. Also, the, of the main three ones, it never creeps me out quite so much. The bugs. I mean, I guess the it's only gross. thing of that that actually kind of grosses me out. The lever is through that wall of slime. Yeah. That is more disturbing, I think, than any of the bugs. I think that maybe I think that other jump scare is in there where something jumps, pulls up and there's the bodies. Uh, Yeah. Well, short round pulls uh, like a, a door and that's when the bodies break through. But it, yeah. actually is it was when Willie goes to reach through the hole and it's Indy's hands. He's like, no, go to the other. Oh, way. is that the other jump scene? I, it might have been. Yeah. Because yeah. at times, again, like I said. At times it's a screwball comedy, and at times it's a horror. But having said all the negative things about it, it's still I still really like it. Yeah, I mean, again, okay, I'm gonna is ask, it my is it my favorite? Well, I'm gonna ask you the the hard question. Of course, I knew this was coming. Is how would you rank the first three? We obviously know Kingdom goes at the end, except for Quentin Tarantino. That's his favorite. That's his his least favorite is Last Crusade, and he he thinks 
Oh, one of the reasons he pointed out that he he loves Temple of Doom, and it actually is a good reason. Speaking of John Glover, who was in uh, Gremlins 2, uh-huh. Gremlins 1, also produced by Spielberg, it, along with Temple of Doom, were the two movies that created the PG-13 Oh, that, how could we forget that? Because yeah. And it, you look at it and you think, yeah, that kind of makes sense because it's not PG. No. It, and it's certainly not R. I, I don't know. I also still feel like... Take a look at Poltergeist or um, but weren't those Jaws even, and the I guess original because, Raiders. Like, yeah. I think that the face-melting scene maybe is more graphic than the actual ritual scene. Yeah, but I think anything with child slavery... Well, sure. The content in there yeah. is not great. And I think anything where someone's heart gets ripped out... The other thing I, was, I wanted to see if you noticed is the part where they jump out of the plane and they're sliding down the mountainside that to me this time looked super fake it looked really bad because you can clearly tell that they're on a set with some guys underneath them just like pushing up on the raft like when we do our movies it's a 4d yeah it almost looks like how you know and you know what i was thinking about too that made me actually more sad about this time they're flying on a plane with live poultry. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Well, I didn't care about the poultry. It's kind of sad when you think about it. I mean, the poultry are probably being transferred to a restaurant to essentially be fried you and killed anyway. You know they're being transported to? <laughs> the mansion in Babylon. Oh, of <laughs> course. <laughs> okay. All right. To rank these yeah. in all in all honesty. They're being going to that, that cave where the guys going to bite their heads off. Where the two guys. I can't believe we went and saw that in a theater. <laughs> oh, God. The two old ladies walked out. But they waited a long time. Yeah, they, they, they really need probably They cause. waited until two hours and 40 minutes in. The part that pushed them over the end was, I guess, the, the, the rats getting their heads bitten off. But what about the other the first 30 minutes? <laughs> what about minutes? the first 10 minutes? <laughs> first 10 seconds. <laughs> Speaking of elephant movies, let's do a whole episode on elephant movies. <laughs> Dumbo, this movie, Babylon. Okay, I'm not. I, I, you have to give me. What What you think? What you What do you think? Uh, in order of ones, I guess I would rewatch most frequently. It's tough. It's, it wouldn't be this. Uh, I one, will would it? say, Last Crusade, Raiders, Temple of Doom, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I think that's probably mine too. I mean, it's hard. Even as I say that, I think, well, there's stuff in each one I love. This one is without a doubt the least Indiana Jones mm-hmm. of all of them. But at least in the first 10 seconds. There's not a person getting diarrhea on. From an elephant. There's no close-up of an elephant sphincter. No. And I have to appreciate Spielberg for not going that route. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to end this episode with the song from Hook that we can't think of how it goes. Right. I want that to be the first... 10 seconds of the outro or 5 seconds of the outro because I cannot remember but now I'm going to listen to it and this is how it goes Sessions 3 is directed and produced by Taylor and Nick Zaccario and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom and Walpurnia Music for providing the score. 
Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for episode details, previews, and more. And check out our blog at obscureobsessionsblog.blogspot.com for movie recommendations, lists, reviews, and articles. We thank you for your continued support. Thank you.